For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Stacking the Box. To subscribe, hit us up on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Here is Stacking the Box. We have reached the month of September. Congratulations to everybody. Nine days away from the start of your NFL season. A lot of storylines making their way around training camps as we edge towards the Chiefs and the Texans in Week 1. Matt Ferdinand, how are you? I am great. How are you? <laughs> I, I am excellent. A little bit on, on on pins and needles here. I guess as we're getting close here, Verdi, let, let's start with uh, what we're expecting to see this season. Uh, I know you think that the Chiefs have a, a great chance to repeat, maybe the best chance of any team in a long while. I wouldn't disagree with that to start it off as we – try to predict what's going to be your always unpredictable NFL season. Yeah, so look, I mean, we're we're now, what, a week and two days, we're nine days away from the start of the season. So we're we're going to look big picture a little bit. We we have to at this point. I think that's the uh, the right call. And the Chiefs, you got to start there. They won the Super Bowl last year. Um, I don't know that I think I'd say they have a great chance. Like if you said to me, would I take the field or the Chiefs, I would take the field because I just think – that's the right move. It's always the right move, right? It's like when Tiger Woods was at his apex and people would say, well, would you take Tiger or the field? I always say the field because your odds are just better. That being said, if you gave me one team and said you had to pick one, I would take them. Now, granted, nobody's done it since the 04 Pats, okay? And there are a few things that you look at and say, well, does it bode well for them or does it not bode well for them based off history? Now, history, again, says it's almost been 20 years, but no team has kept every single starter that's played at least 60% of the snaps on their side of the ball since the 0-1 Pats. Well, the Chiefs did it this offseason, okay? Also, the Chiefs paid everybody this offseason. Mahomes got paid. Kelsey got paid. Chris Jones got paid. Andy Reid and Brett Veach just got paid. I don't think that's the worst thing. You go in there knowing that you're invested in this thing for the long haul. You know, Chris Jones isn't thinking about free agency. So I think the Chiefs are actually in a really good position. Plus, I just think the conference stinks. So I think I might take the Chiefs against the field. I think that's in, – in, okay, that's Yeah, I like, I like my life in an aggressive manner here, Verderam. Why not? Uh, I don't know if I can – like, I certainly – 
would do that. It's harder to do, obviously, in football than other sports. Like in the Bulls' heyday, would I have taken the Bulls against the field? Yes, I would have. It's a bold thing to do with basketball. Of course, of course. You know, just because it's it's it more geared around you got the best player. You're sure, probably win. but it, that does apply here. You have the best player at the most important position. Assuming he doesn't get hurt, I don't think you want to predict your season. Just and I get it, like logically, okay, fine. But I, I really think that, uh, I mean, who are you going to pick against them? If you were to pick, would you take the Chiefs against the top three teams that you could pick? That's interesting. Um, yeah, probably. I'll say this. I would, and I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd bet significant money they'll go to the Super Bowl. I think if they lose, it's going to be in the Super Bowl because the NFC is really good. The AFC to me, it's Baltimore. I really like Pittsburgh. And beyond that, nobody has any shot. Like, I, I don't mean to sound flippant about it. If they're not hurt and they just play a B game in January against anybody that's not named the Ravens or the Steelers, they're winning the game. They're just better than all those teams. I mean, Buffalo, I respect. They have no quarterback. Like I, the, I'll say this. The last time I felt this confident that a team could or and or should repeat was the 2010 Packers. And that Packers team went 15-1 and one and got upset in a, in a huge upset by the Giants who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. I think that's what it's going to take for the Chiefs to get upended. Now, again, I'll take the field only because, you know, look, injuries do happen and, and things do, you know, fall apart quicker than people realize. But, yes, if you said to me, you have to pick one team, yeah, it's Kansas City. They've got the best team by, a, I think, a fairly healthy margin. So – Let's uh, since you teed up the NFC uh, things that we expect to see this year. I, I am uh, I'm I'm buying on the Bucks here, Verderam. I I'm gonna I look at Tampa Bay and I see a team that had. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. Jameis thrown 30 picks last year, a record seven, seven pick sixes. And, and I just don't think that Tom Brady's going to do that. And I think Mike Evans is going to be pretty happy about that. I think Chris Godwin's going to be pretty happy about that. I think Rock and Howard, Cameron Brake, they got some tight ends over there too. By the way, their defense isn't too bad. So, No, good defense, played well second half of the year. Todd Bowles is an aggressive coordinator. They'll blitz as much as just about any team in football right there with Baltimore and right there with the Jets. Um, I like the Bucs. My question with the Bucs is Brady's 43 years old. They had an abnormal offseason, which I know he basically circumvented by just holding a practice even when he was asked not to by the league and the Players Association. Gronkowski's there. Is he better because he had a year off or is he shot? because he is coming out of retirement. I don't know. I think the Bucs are a playoff team for sure. I, I would be very surprised if the Bucs aren't a playoff team. Are they better than the Saints? Because I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. I felt that way for a few years. I think the Saints are the best team. But can the, if the Bucs can beat them out in that division, then I think, yeah, they're a Super Bowl contender because at that point, I think they're as good as anybody. I like Tampa. I don't know that I love Tampa. I've got to see how that thing works over the first couple of months and then get back to me at about midseason, how I see Brady assimilating with that team, how I see his marriage with Arians. But listen, they're, they're fascinating. There's no doubt about that. They certainly have talent. 
I got a little trivia for you here, Verderam. Uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been in existence how many years? Since 76. So, uh, what? Four, four, yeah, four so years? 45 years, their history. Yeah. 45 seasons. 45 seasons. Uh, Want to guess at how many wins they have in 45 years? For the record, if it if it was uh, if it was five a year, <laughs> well, okay. I can do math. I understand. Um, I know. I know they went like oh, twenty years or something, or, or close to it, eight, fifteen years without a winning season. Um, I would guess. I would have said an average of six wins. So that would put him at what I don't know about two hundred and eighty-five. That is a very good guess. Uh, unfortunately, they have not won. Uh, Six games a year. <laughs> they, uh, it's not good. They've actually won 6.1 wins per year. So you're spot on, Verderam. Excellent job by you. 273 wins in their history. How many, yeah, how, uh, how many wins do you think Brady has? Oh, my God. I mean, he's played with, that, uh, I guess, 19 seasons. Uh, <laughs> he does not average six wins. <laughs> I would say, what, what, 200? Tom Brady, in his 19 seasons, uh, he's got 243 wins, Matt Berteram. Does he, including the playoffs? <laughs> I, I think the stat is including the playoffs, yes. I was going to say, oh my God. Okay, all right, yeah, all right. So 240, I, I, probably yeah, 249, I'm sorry. I just I lost my notes here. 249. Jeez, not bad. That that's a great stat, actually. That is, that's a great stat. I might even use that yeah, in my column this yeah. week. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I I I got to give give some some props to the ringer as I was as reading through here. But that's that thought that one stood out big time. Two hundred and forty nine wins for Brady. Two hundred and seventy three for the Bucks. That's incredible. Yeah. That is an incredible yeah. stat. Yep. So it it is. I just the fact that he chose them, and I know they've got offensive talent, and is it was strategic. But the greatest winner in NFL history going to the biggest or one of the biggest losing franchises. It's it's it makes for a great storyline for sure in twenty twenty. No, it, it certainly does. There's no question about that. I I and then I I look at where he left, and I look at New England. And I say, you know, I just wrote my column about this actually on Monday about how the Pats are officially done after 20 years of everybody saying, well, you know, they're they're the best team in football pretty much every year. And then you have that that murmur of, well, is this it? This is it. I, now, they may win the division, but they're not winning the Super Bowl with that team. And so, you know, I'm I'm very curious with them. Can they hold on in the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC East, which it seems as though they do this forever. They've, they made the playoffs 12 years in a row. Um, Winning the division, by the way, in each of those instances, I believe. Uh, my contention is they have lost too much to even win the division. Now they may make the playoffs. I, I think I have them at about seven and nine. So you know, it's not crazy to think that they go nine and seven or something. They sneak in, but at some point, the run ends for everyone, right? Like I, I thought about it. So who do they compare to historically? And I, I would point to the 49ers in the 80s and early 90s. Like that team, year after year after year after year after year, won the NFC West. They were right in the mix, won five Super Bowls over the course of 15 years. I think that's about the closest comparison, right? I mean, obviously, a little different in the sense that the, the back half of that, or the back third of it was Young and Seifert, not Montana and Walsh. But the point still applies. However, look, 
the Pats didn't just lose Brady. They lost a ton of guys defensively, whether it be the free agency or COVID-19 opt-outs. I also look at Cam Newton and say, how much does he have left in the tank? Serious foot injuries, serious shoulder surgeries in the last couple of years. In Carolina, Cam won three divisions. Like, it wasn't like the, the Panthers were winning that division every single year, and that division was winnable a lot of those years. And the Saints lately certainly just outclassed Carolina. I'm not putting that on Cam, but my point is, it's not as though they were dominant every year Cam was there and he was healthy. In fact, one of the years they won that division, they went 7-8-1. and one. So not exactly uh, you know, a, a string of dominance. And frankly, I think the Bills are better on both sides of the football. But I'm fascinated to see what New England does considering all that goes into this season. Yeah, and like, if I would love to see just a complete out-of-nowhere surprise. Let's go Miami. Get in there. Do something. I, I mean, I wouldn't bet you know, on it, but I, I feel like anything's on the table in the AFCs this year. Like, literally anything. Okay, Jets, maybe not that, but, you know, why not? No, the Jets are <laughs> not on the table. The Jets, if they're on the table, it's because they're, they're dead on the table. Uh, I, I like the Dolphins. If, if you told me that they got good quarterback, like if they started two and he played really well, I would at least be interested in that. I don't think they're where Buffalo is yet. I don't even know that they're where New England is yet because you know, they're, they're coming off of a season where they went 5-11. and 11, But I love the coach. And I, and I think that if they get good quarterback play, they're going to be a fun team here in the near future. Maybe there could just be a drop of Fitzmagic left. Who knows uh, if, if it's not Tua. You never know, man. That guy's he always does something interesting at some point in an NFL season. Uh, you think Drew Brees is going to ride off into the sunset? I think they've got a great shot. You know, I, like I said, I think they're the best team in the NFC, I, although I think it's a slim margin because the NFC is loaded. There's a lot of really good teams. My biggest question with the Saints, well, I guess, I guess twofold. So how do they respond to what have been three consecutive just devastating losses in the playoffs? Two to Minnesota, one to the Rams. Obviously, everybody remembers the Minneapolis miracle. Then last year, they, they lose that game at home in the walk around to Cousins in overtime. And, of course, the NFC title game where, where they got absolutely robbed, should have gone to the Super Bowl that year. Um, and then Alvin Kamara. He's, he's kind of holding out right now. He's waiting for more money. And Joe Mixon just signed with the Bengals and got $48 million. I'm going to go ahead and say that Alvin Kamara is going to want more money than Joe Mixon. Are the Saints willing to do it? And if they're not willing to do it, how long does this situation go on? Because here's something to consider. Drew Brees has thrown for 5,000 yards in a season five times, which is absurd. I, I, the only guy I ever to do it, I believe, multiple times. I did it five times. In those five years, they missed the playoffs three times and only have two playoff wins total in those five years. So if Kamara's not there for an extended amount of time, they can't run the ball, that's a problem. Like, and Breeze isn't the guy who he was a couple of years ago. He's still very good, but he's not he's not otherworldly great. So I think the Saints have a ton of potential. I love the Saints. But if Kamara's not there, I do think it's a real issue, historically speaking. I do wonder, too, and this probably doesn't matter, but it's been a very interesting offseason in New Orleans. So how that team comes together in Drew's last year, do they, as I as I put it, right off into the sunset, right off into the sunset, meaning as a champion, or at least go into the Super Bowl? I mean, he he certainly, for everything he's done on the field, deserves that opportunity to play in one more big game. I'd love to see it. Uh, and, I, I mean, I thought they were going to be there the last couple of years. It just hasn't happened. Who do you think uh, will be your – give me your biggest disappointment prediction here, Matt. 
Okay, so I actually think the Cowboys, in a lot of ways, are setting up Ooh. to disappoint. Now, on one hand, you could argue they didn't make the playoffs last year, so anyone who has unreasonable expectations for them shouldn't have them in the first place, right? Like, they were number one in yardage offensively last season. Dak almost threw for 5,000 yards. and the- Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the -the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Eagles had you and me starting on the offense week 17, and the Cowboys still couldn't beat them out. I like the hiring of McCarthy to an extent, but like I said earlier about Tampa, I got to see it out of McCarthy. He got so stale. I mean, my God, you watch a Packers game, and it was third and five, and here comes slant flat, and let's see what happens. Does somebody get open? I have to see some more creativity. I think they're possibly a wild card team. I think the Eagles are flat out better than Dallas. Now, the Eagles have had injuries already, which concerns me. Rieger's now out. I talked to some people in the league who say that the Eagles are so incredibly high on Jalen Rieger and JJRK or Whiteside, and now they're out Rieger. But to get back to Dallas, they lost Travis Frederick this off year, this offseason retirement. You got all this stuff going on in terms of social justice and, and, and trying to advance the country a step or a half step or what have you. Does Jerry just divide the team? Because Jerry can't seem to figure out what side he's on. Which, look, I'm not going to get into what side he should be on, but to be on neither side is a problem for both sides. So he's got to figure out something. And then I'll leave you with this note. According to Football Outsiders, Okay, who they, they do this stat, average games lost, and they, they figure it into injuries, obviously. The Cowboys are the fourth healthy, healthiest team last year. So that usually ends up kind of regressing to the mean or, or improving to the mean one way or the other. I think Dallas falls flat in comparison to some of the projections. That is interesting. And since you brought up football outsiders, you know who they love on the positive side is – they're they're big on the Detroit Lions. They're the the outset. They, they are. They're predicting them to not just be better, but to win the NFC North for the first time since 1993. Way to go, football outsiders! Step out there, big time. I love football outsiders. Know some of the guys over there. Uh, that is an aggressive <laughs> play. Um, I, I don't know that I can quite take it to that level, but. Um, I do think the Cowboys are in trouble this year, comparative to what people think they're going to be. I'm going on my on my down team that's getting a lot of love. I think that uh, maybe it's just my own negativity on the team that I root for, but I'm 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 predicting a very rough year for the Chicago Bears uh, with their eight and eight uh, squad that's supposed to be back in the playoffs this year. And I added a ton on the defensive line, and also added Nick Foles, but. I, I just there there's something there just feels like there's something missing in camp all season the way they're attacking who's going to be the quarterback I just I do not have a good feeling on the Bears right now and I'm getting a I'm, I'm becoming more and more optimistic on Minnesota and what they've done um, I'm not willing to, to write off of the Packers and I think the Lions are going to be better so I, I like you boil all that together it could be a rough year for the Bear I 
I just don't understand why they won't name a quarterback. Like, what advantage do you have? That is the biggest joke when teams do this stuff. We're not going to, like, Nagy's got to play this coy, secretive game of, well, we're not going to tell you if it's Trubisky or false. Listen, man, I don't care. Close practice, whatever. Like, come Wednesday of week one, you're going to have to slap a quarterback under center for first team reps. And it's going to leak. If it's not reported, it's going to be leaked as to who's under center. Okay. You're going to know Wednesday night who the starting quarterback is. And oh, by the way, it's not like you have Michael Vick and like Tom Brady back there. And it's such an incredible difference in, in the way they play. No matter who plays, you're hoping to run the ball and play good defense and throw to Allen Robinson. Like, it's not like it's some huge state right. secret. They're, well, they're he's similar. he's walked it back that he's not going to wait until game day. He's going to he's going to say it at some point next week, because according to Matt Nagy, they don't know right now who they're going with. Which I don't know if that's true, but that's that's, that's not what good. he said, which is not good. Correct. And the Bears, uh, you know, this is all across the NFL, but the Bears are being very very tight uh, over at their training camp and have suspended reporters quietly uh, for putting some stuff out on social media that they didn't want out before Matt Nagy acknowledged that it happened. So uh, it's a very tight little camp over there. I, you know, and, and we saw the Bills suspend essentially one of their own reporters. Like he was a team reporter, and the Bills just banned him from covering it. Look, these NFL teams got to relax. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, guys, I got news for you. You're either talented or you're not. And if you suck, you can hide all you want. On Sunday, you got to play the game. Like, believe me, there's not a team in the league that's going, my God, I don't know how we're going to defend Chicago. You're going to stack the box. You're going to roll safety over Allen Robinson. You're going to tell Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, beat me. Beat me. Beat me with Jimmy Graham. Beat me anywhere else other than with Allen Robinson and with you running the football. Yep. it boils down NFL to that. paranoia is, is awful. Here, I'll, let me give you my optimistic team here, Vertoram. I'm not picking the Lions. I'm actually – I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, you were a complete nightmare. Kevin Stefanski, I don't have a ton of uh, head coaching reason to love you, but you've been a quality coach your entire career. The Browns have talent. Um, and if I'm looking for a sleeper that people are not giving a whole lot of love to – I think that uh, – and plus that division to me feels like it might be a little bit more wide open than people think. I'm, I, I'm, I'm rolling with Cleveland Vertoram. I say that – are we still on the air? Because I'm not sure I want people to know that, but I'm going with the Browns. You said what you said. Um, so I'm going to go back to – quickly for my teams I think might surprise. I'm going to go back to that football outsiders, the average game lost that because I, I think it's really interesting. The average team – lost about 76 games uh, to, to injury in some capacity because that stat factors in. If guys are questionable, then, then they're probably not at full capacity. Obviously, if they're out, they're completely out. But it, I think it's the best stat there is in terms of how teams were affected by injury. The Dolphins ranked 28th in, in, in the sense of they were, they were only lesser affected than like four other teams. The Dolphins were ravaged pretty good. They added a lot of talent. They added a lot in free agency, guys like Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson. I'm not a huge Eric Flowers guy, but he's better at guard than tackle. And then they added a, a litany of draft picks, two attack of Iloa, and of course, Austin Jackson, the left tackle in the first round. So I'm always looking for who are the teams that finished strong, that maybe had some, some 
unfortunate luck last year and added talent. So Miami, to me, is a team I'm watching. That division's awful. If they get off to a good start, Tua plays well, I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs. I'm not saying I think it's a slam dunk, but they're good enough. And then Arizona, to me, I've been banging on them all year. They, by the way, ranked 22nd in that average games loss statistic. They add DeAndre Hopkins. They add Jordan Phillips inside. Isaiah Simmons in the first round. It's Kyler and Cliff's second year together. I think Arizona's good. The defense is my concern because the defense, Simmons has got to be good, and they need Patrick Peterson to be Patrick Peterson. But if they get that, they're going to score points. That team's going to put up points. Got Kenyon Drake, got, got Larry Fitzgerald, who's somehow still good at the age of 79. Like They're still an interesting team in a variety of ways. So I, I like Arizona. I like Miami. I think both of them can be surprises this year. I'd love to see it. That would be incredibly enjoyable if Miami could make it interesting in particular. And I, and I think Arizona is obviously a ton of fun to watch too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding myself too with the Browns. They get the they get Washington at home. I mean, come on, we got some we got some winnable games here. Their schedule's way easier than last year. Their offensive line should be a whole lot better. They brought over Jack Conklin from the Titans. They drafted the guy out of Alabama, left tackle uh, Jedrick Wills. So uh, come on, come on, Cleveland. Let's let's have a year. All right, moving on here, Verderam, to our Into the Future uh, conversation as we started off with the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, thank you for listening to Stacking the Box. We really appreciate it. Uh, ratings are huge. Give us a five-star, and uh, you get cool stuff from us. We, we love it. We're giving away gifts, at least in my mind here, Verderam. Uh, and by the way, Jerome Bettis is coming up on the show in just a little bit as well. You got anything you want to say to our, our, uh, our fine listeners? Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe, give us a rating, and give us a comment if you could. I uh, would really appreciate it. But uh, as we get into the year, once week one is up and rolling, we're going to be back twice a week uh, at minimum, and there will be some bonus episodes as well. So that, stay tuned, and if you enjoy the show, which hopefully you do if you're listening, uh, you're going to get a lot more of it. Yes, indeed. Order. So we start off with the Minnesota Vikings, and the question on the table is, is uh, are they – a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Uh, you underlined about five times already on the show that the NFC is loaded. Are you making the Vikings a legit contender? No. Um, and, and here's why. Look, I love that they got Yannick Ngakwe because him and Daniel Hunter are going to be great. Hunter has 14 and a half sacks each of the last two years, and Ngakwe is 37 and a half. He just turned 25 years old. Hey, he's a stud. Can't play a damn against the run, but he's great against the pass. So I love that. But the corners worry the hell out of me, okay? They, they, they were not great at corner last year, and they purged just about everybody. Xavier Rhodes, gone. Mackenzie Alexander, gone. Trey, Ed, Trey uh, Wayne's gone. And they, they now are starting rookie first-round pick Jeff Gladney out of TCU. We'll see how he plays. I like his tape. But he's with Holton Hill and Mike Hughes, okay? Neither one of those guys making you think of, uh, of you know, Mel Blunt and Lester Hayes, if you're of that ilk. So concern is there. I think Cousins is a good QB, but he's limited. Like, he's won one playoff game in his entire career. Now, it was last year. It was against the Saints. That was great. But then he followed that up by being not good against San Francisco. Now, they were under a ton of duress, which brings me to my next problem. Even if you like Cousins a lot, and I like him. I'm just not enamored with him. Their offensive line has been a problem for years. And guess what? It's still a problem. They still don't have a good offensive line. Now, they restructured. They kept Riley Reef. I like that move. It would have been stupid to let him walk. They have issues across the line, and Reef is an average tackle, and, and frankly, maybe their best 
uh, tackle by a wide margin. So I think the Vikings are good. I do think they're a playoff team, but if they're going to really, really contend, that line's got to play better than we think it's going to play. They need a career year from a decent quarterback. Think like Joe Flacco 2012 or Mark Rippon 1991. That's the kind of thing they need. And then they need major production from the rookies. They need Gladney to be good right away. They need Justin Jefferson to come in and replace Stephon Diggs. They need Cameron Dantzler, who is a later-round pick as a corner, to come in and at least contribute. And, oh, by the way, another shout-out to Football Outsiders, no team, no team had better injury luck last year. So that was very thorough, and you named some people that I love, particularly Justin Jefferson, who's getting a lot of acclaim in the – well, in training camp here, uh, for people who don't know who Justin Jefferson is, this guy was smooth as hell at LSU catching balls from Joe Burrow. Uh, they're asking a lot for him to step in and be Stephon Diggs, but that guy, I'm, I am a buyer on Justin Jefferson. You left off, as you, uh, you, you left off one Viking that is my favorite Vertoram, which would be Ifade Odenabo, one of the great names in the NFL, straight out of North. Good for you for risking that. Go Wildcats, baby. Uh, a Northwestern Wildcat himself. And they were, at, for a minute there, he was going to replace Everson Griffin, which I thought was a little tall for Ifade Odenimbo. But rotating on that defensive line uh, with Ngakwe now there, that makes a whole lot more sense. I, I think the Vikings are, man. I look, at the, I look at the NFC as a lot of really good teams, but no Kansas City ch- uh, chief team. So I think, you know, whether you're – the one seed or the seven seed, to me, the NFC playoffs are going to be wide open, and I think the Vikings will get in, and, and they'll be in a competitive game. How Kirk plays, that's going to be obviously a huge part of what happens here, but I think they're going to be in the mix here. I expect them to be at bare minimum in the playoffs, and at that point, you know, I'm, I'm throwing it as a, as a coin flip. Well, listen, they're talented. I mean, they got six guys on defense that you could talk about as all pros. But I, I just – I worry about the corners, and I'm just a huge believer in you have to have an elite quarterback. I know that every once in a while you have the rare team that doesn't have that. I understand. But it, it's it's rare yeah. for a reason. It's very, very hard not to – especially nowadays where the passing game is, is obviously central to every team. Yeah. Let's move on to the Chargers. And uh, breaking news today, Derwin James, another knee injuries out six to eight months. That's not good. Uh, The Chargers are going to need some help here at at safety. Uh, Maybe they'll get creative perhaps and bring in a veteran. I'm not sure what they're going to do. But uh, the the question on the table is, uh, will the Chargers actually ever escape injuries to their stars? Because this is a recurring theme in Los Angeles. I would say that, well, well, let me say this first off. I feel really bad for Derwin James because the guy is a phenomenal talent and he just cannot stay on the field. It's, it's one thing after the next for him, and it's, it's really unfortunate because you'll watch him play. He is right there as one of the best safeties in football. He is right there with guys like Harrison Smith of Minnesota, Tyron Matthew in KC, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick in Pittsburgh. I mean, he, he's every bit that type of talent. But you know what? For the Chargers, from a team perspective, they do a lot of this to themselves. Like James came out of college and he had had injury issues at Florida State. Part of the reason he dropped, by the way, he had a torn meniscus in college. Denzel Perriman is a good, good linebacker, run thumping linebacker for them. He always seems to miss about half the season. Well, he had a lot of injuries at Miami. He was even hurt in the draft process. He had a hip injury. 
They went out. Now, they traded Russell Okun this offseason, but they had him the last couple of years at left tackle. He had a million injury issues in Seattle and in Denver. Same thing now with guys, by the way, they, they just acquired. Okay, Trey Turner came over for Russell Okun. Trey Turner's had injury issues. Brian Balaga, who's going to play right tackle for them. Very good player with the Packers. He always misses games. And then you look back, too, in recent memory, they spent a couple of first-round picks in Melvin Gordon and Ryan Matthews running backs, like guys that are, are a position where they're going to get banged up. So, yes, some of it is bad luck. You obviously can't predict who's going to get hurt and who's not. But when you draft and you sign guys and you trade for guys who always have injuries, guess what? You're going to have a team that has a lot of injuries. And the Chargers seem to just fall into this trap every year. That you know, it's it's unfortunate, but I think it is reality that the Chargers do some of this to themselves. They put themselves in these these bad positions. Sometimes you got to look at it like, well, what what injury are you are you betting on? Like the Bears got really lucky with Eddie Jackson, who broke his leg at Alabama, slipped to the fourth round. He's been a great safety for him, but a broken leg yep. is a lot different then when you're talking about Derwin James, he's talking about knee injuries, meniscus tears that you're going to see more and more of. So, like, what are you, what are you betting on? Because, I mean, everybody – I mean, we're playing football here, right? So, guys are going to get hurt. I think it's unfair to say that, oh, the, the, that uh, well, the Chargers have, quote-unquote, asked for this. But I definitely think they probably could use a little time looking in the mirror and, and making choices and looking real close at the choice that they have made. And maybe they can do a better job, I guess, going forward. Well, I don't know that I'd say they asked for it, but I do think when you draft a bunch of guys and you acquire a bunch of guys who have injury histories, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just it's just reality. You, you know, Look, you and I both like baseball. How many times does a team sign a pitcher who's had you know, Tommy John and always has a strained flexor tendon? And, there's, and it's like, well, yeah, but he throws 99. Yeah, but he's hurt all the time. Like, and then the team brings a guy in, always oh, our number one starter, number two starter, and then April 18th rolls around, and he's out for three months. And it's like, oh, such and such team's so unlucky. Well, no, not really. They knew they were bringing in somebody who has an injury history. Look, I feel awful whenever a player gets hurt because re the reality is these are short careers. You know, these guys are out there training. Like, like most fans don't understand how brutally hard it is to be in NFL game shape to get your body ready for that. And a lot of times it is for the player themselves. It's just bad luck. There's no, there's nothing the player can do. They're trained. They're ready. They're in shape. It just happens. But in terms of a team building assessment, if you're the Chargers, you, you can't keep bringing in guys who play 10 games a year. Like it, It's eventually going to happen that they only play 10 games in a year, and you, you have to somewhat expect that. Let's, uh, let's move on to Jacksonville and, well, the Jags specifically, but also just who's going to be the worst team in the NFL. And the question is, do you think that the Jags are a lock uh, for the number one overall draft pick, as it, it clearly seems like Jacksonville is tanking, despite the fact that they got my guy Gardner Minshew ready to step up and have a big year. Damn it, Gardner's going to be awesome. Great to talk to you at the Super Bowl last year, Gardner, if you're listening, which I know you are because you love me. Uh, what do you think here, Vernon? The Jags a lock to be the worst team in the NFL? No. And, and, you know, put this on the rundown because I've seen so much of that. They traded Yannick Ngakwe. Of course, in the last 12 months, they've traded A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey and Calais Campbell. They cut Leonard Fournette last week. But th there's this constant idea, or actually this week, rather, there's this constant idea that 
well, they're just a lock. They're a lock. There's no question. That doesn't exist in the NFL. Like, you think the Jags are just going to go out and lay down and get beat up and go, that's not going to happen. Now, they're not going to be good. They're going to be in the mix. Don't get me wrong, but a lock? No, no way. Last year, everybody thought the Dolphins were going to go 0-16. Remember that? How they started? They were brutal to start the year. They looked like the worst team you'd ever seen in your life. Baltimore ran up like 600 yards of offense on them in week one. And guess what? Miami went 5-3, and three, or excuse me, 5-4 and four of the last nine games it played. The Dolphins ended up not even picking in the top three. The year before that, it was the Bills. When the Bills traded away Sammy Watkins and, and, and they, they traded away Ronald Darby, and everybody thought, oh, my God, the Bills are going to go 1-15. They made the playoffs. The Bills ended up going 9-7. and seven. They got in the playoffs. So look, I, I don't buy that. My logic says it's going to be a team in the NFC because, as we've talked about in, in the minutes leading up to this, the NFC is a better conference. Like I would get a team like Carolina. I, Carolina is better than Jacksonville. Carolina is better than the Jets, who, by the way, the Jets were like a strong, strong word with the idea of Jacksonville being a lock. The Panthers are in a division that they can play well and go 0-6. Like, it's just – that's what being the number one pick is about. Like, Carolina could be much better than Jacksonville, but they just have a much harder schedule. So, no, I don't think they're a lock. And, in fact, history says they probably won't be the number one pick. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. And let's just throw the Washington football team in the mix as well. If there's anything that's going to have karma yes. attached to a team being – the worst team in football right now. I'm in so much swirling around Daniel Snyder. What are you going to do, Roger Goodell? And I like Dwayne Haskins, by the way, but I don't think he's going to be uh, carrying the Redskins to five victories this year. I mean, Washington is definitely right there. If not, you could make a strong argument, perhaps, that they're actually the favorite to do it over Jacksonville. Yeah, No, they're yeah. terrible. So, yeah. No, they are. That, that's Let, let's look at the playoffs here and what it actually is going to look like on the field. Uh, do you think the NFL will have its playoffs in a bubble, or do you think we'll do right like we're doing to start the season, right there in home stadiums? I've seen the conversation around social media and with some people in the league. I, I do not think the NFL is going into a bubble like at all, period. Like in any way, shape, or Now, obviously, if, if the country drastically changes, then, then sure. I mean, anything's on the table. But as it stands now, if it's the way it is now or better, uh, or even slightly worse. No, I, I don't see why they would. And the reason I, I bring this up and we bring this up in the podcast is baseball, they're talking about going to a bubble. You know, respective cities are going to be hosting essentially the American League and National League playoffs. And then the, the World Series will be in uh, that, that, that like Weber grill of a stadium down in uh, Arlington. But the, the, the difference is in baseball, if you're playing a seven game series, you're traveling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you're going anywhere. For football, you're going to the game, and you're going back. They're doing that all regular season long. I, I, I know some people have said that that's going to be something to consider. I do not think the NFL is going to consider that at all, but tell me if you think I'm crazy. I'm with you on this one, too. I, I don't uh, – well, look, if you read the news slash watch the news, pay attention to what's going on in the world, the, le the biggest scare lately is that they're predicting an, a, another breakout coming in Europe that's going to – you know, be the, the second wave that we've been talking about, even though we're still feels like we're in the first wave here. So, look, when it gets cold, I have no idea what's going to happen. And could you even create a bubble that would be able to, you know, keep you away from a second wave? I, I, I don't know. But to your point, it's, you're, you're right. They're not traveling uh, back and forth. Um, and how would you do it? You're going to take 14 teams 
and put them in a bubble on the same campus where the the NBA is doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think so you can. I, it doesn't. I, I don't. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they'll continue to roll along. And and look, it is just it's the wild west out there. You got the president now uh, putting pressure on the commissioner of the Big Ten today uh, to play foot, college football. Um, it's, and tweeting out that they're on the one yard line. We all love our football, but you know, come on, to try to put some heat on uh, student athletes. To go out there and play, it's just the whole thing's ridiculous. But I don't know. I, I don't think a bubble's coming to the NFL. By the way, and not to divert here, but we do have to just touch on this quick because it's coming out right as we're doing the podcast. Uh, Josina Anderson, formerly of ESPN, the, the fine NFL reporter, she reported here on Twitter in real time, I'm told the Saints are open to trading Alvin Kamara. That wouldn't surprise me. And it, Look, Alvin is a different dude. And if they think... If the Saints think that, look, this guy might just not play, well, maybe you make the best deal you possibly can. That's not to- that does not surprise me at all. What would you – yeah. So, he, all I was going to say is, look, so now he, has, he has one year left on his deal. Okay, He's, he's going into his fourth year. He, he's on the rookie contract. Last year, you could argue, was his worst year, right? Like – He's never rushed for 900 yards in a season, but he's always had a great yards per carry. So he's, he's at five even for his career. It's just terrific. Um, it's just that, you know, for a while there, he split time with Mark Ingram. Last year, he played in 14 games, started nine, um, but he's a great receiver. He, he was targeted an average of 102 times over the course of his first three seasons. And in each of his first three years, each year exactly had 81 receptions. So, He's a huge part of what they did. Now, he has trended down. 826 receiving yards his first year, then 709. Last year, 533. Again, missed a couple games as well. I am torn on this. I mentioned earlier that I think if they can't run the ball, they got a problem. I think Drew Brees is terrific, but history has shown with that team that when they don't run the ball, they're not nearly as effective, even if Brees is throwing for crazy amounts of yardage, which he could do. They have a lot of talent. but if Kamara is not there, okay, the backup is Latavius Murray. I like Latavius Murray all well, fine and good. He is not Alvin Kamara. Okay, let's just, I mean, let's just be real. He's not Alvin Kamara. You are playing for a ring right now because I don't care what anybody says about Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. When, when Drew Brees hangs him up, it's over. Like, it's the end of the line. So if, if I'm the Saints... I'm willing to go to the mat with him, and I'm not. I'm not even saying I'd resign him, but I would. I would wait until the end of time and say, "You wanted to sit out the whole year and not get paid? Okay, well then you're going to have to do that. That's the bluff we're going to make you. You you know follow through on. I don't think he does it. I don't know that the GM there, Mickey Loomis, will think he does it. But that is that is a, a big, big, big thing to follow. If he is out of there, ooh, that would be. <laughs> That'd be a big loss. I know some people say running backs don't matter, but he's also a receiver for them and a, and a very, very tough guy to tackle in the open field. Yeah, and I do wonder if the Saints are making one last play, like, okay, you're not going to sign. We're going to trade you and hope that he caves. Like, maybe this is a little, right. little gamesmanship right. here. Um, it's it's uh, the, the the breeze factor in it as far as, like, one last shot at ring without him. That's I, I think that's – that makes it painful if he if he walks out the door. Yes. Yeah, 
I just, if you're the Saints, you're all in this year. Let's be real. Like, I know people love to live in this land of like, well, you know, what if Taysom Hill comes in this year? I don't care. I don't care. Taysom Hill's 30 years old and has like five complete passes in his NFL career. Okay. And Jameis just threw for 5,000 yards and couldn't get a deal anywhere. Like, the, the second Drew Brees is gone, so is their title hope. Like, it's over. So, I don't know. I mean, look, a team comes calling the first round pick or something, I'd do it. Anything shy of that, I, I, I'm, I'm loaded up this year trying to win it all. We'll keep an eye on it here as we uh, move on, by the way, to a running back that's a little bit different than Alvin Kamara. We bring in Jerome Bettis. I had a conversation with the bus earlier today. I'll play a little portion of it right now. And we talked a lot about the issues going on in society. And I asked uh, him as we start here if he thought that NFL owners would support the players if they tried to move some things forward that they perhaps have not in the past. And uh, Jerome said that he thought that they would. Did he disappoint you recently? A lot of ND players talking out about uh, on Lou how he might not be their coach anymore. You know what? I, I'll say this. I mean, it is it's when you are on the other side of the issues, then, you know, it's going to disappoint. So it just depends on, on where you stand. You've got a lot of players uh, that that maybe agree with them, right? So as an African-American uh, player that has played play for Coach Holton, I, you know, I love him. Uh, and I, I don't agree with a lot of his uh, uh, political views, but uh, it doesn't change the person that he is and, and what he did for me. So it's, uh, you know, it's a difficult situation but um he has his he has his beliefs i'm not going to change him uh you know i you can choose to disagree i choose to disagree with some of it and so that, that's why you have to leave it so you're basically showing some empathy for your guy who helped you well well that doesn't change what he's what he's done for me how he was able to affect and affect my life the trajectory of my life and where i was so had it not been for him, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So um, for, for that, uh, I do owe him uh, a lot of latitude, if you will. Interview with Jerome Bettis. Verem, you surprised that uh, he was so friendly to Lou Holtz, basically saying, like, look, I would not have gotten to this point in my life without him. I don't agree with what he says politically, but he, he still has love for his old coach, which a lot of Notre Dame players are. They, they do, but it's quickly fading. I'm Flo from Progressive. You know me. I'm a huge football fan, but it can be stressful for us super fans. So Progressive is going to help take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how your team threw the wrong ball on the wrong net, just think about how Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Well, hope this distraction about Progressive's Home Court Explorer was helpful. It sure helped me from stressing about my team for a bit. Anyway, go sports. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Yeah, and look, Lou Holtz has put himself in that position with a lot of players because of what he said politically. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here and, and get into all that. But uh, I'm not shocked that Bettis feels the way he does. Uh, he, you know, look, Jerome is one of those all-time golden domers. And he did have an incredible run there with Lou Holtz. You know, maybe they were really close. Apparently they were, you know, during the, during his time in South Bend. So uh, I, look, I'm in, in a refreshing way. I'm, I'm glad that, 
you know, the politics, which seems to be dividing us all. And God knows I'm, I'm, I'm in that boat with some, with some people, but I, I think, uh, you know, I, I can, I appreciate where Jerome's coming from. Uh, maybe looking past some, some differences and whatnot. Um, yeah. you know, good for him. And unless Jerome's one of the nicest guys going in the league too. I, I, I met him once briefly at, at one of the Super Bowls I covered and just, a yep, super nice huge guy. fan huge fan uh, of the bus uh, let's wrap up with our in or out segment uh, we've got four topics for you today and we're starting with the green bay packers the packers will win the nfc north in 2020 in or out go ahead i'm in i'm in everybody thinks they're going to regress and be like eight and eight i just i don't look i don't think they're going 13 three but i have met about 11 and five rogers is still a top five quarterback in the nfl Still really good. The dude threw two picks last year. Okay. And I, I get it. He plays more conservatively now. He, you know, he'll 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 not throw the ball into as much of a of a tight spot as he may be used to. He's still Aaron Bleepin Rogers. He's still he's still a really good player. And I'm sorry. Look, I, I know you mentioned football outsiders and loves the Lions. Okay. The Vikings, we, we both think are talented, but I'm not taking those teams or or your bears. Over Green Bay, I'm not. The Packers have won six of the last nine division titles. I think Lafleur is at least a good coach. Uh, I I think they're going to win 10, 11 games, and it's going to be enough. Rodgers still has enough in that tank to be a problem. I hated their offseason. I really think they should have added another weapon. They didn't do it. It could come back to haunt them, especially if Devonta Adams gets hurt, and he's had his, his problems with that in the past. But their defense is good. Like, that's the difference with this Packers team compared to some of the other ones. They can play defense. He doesn't have to score 30 points a game. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Packers. And you probably division. motivated Aaron with the whole Jordan Love thing. And, by the way, every report I see out of Green Bay is not positive on Jordan Love yet. He's not exactly smoking his way through training camp. Uh, no. So, look, I'm going back and forth on this 10 times. Right now I feel like Green Bay, or rather Minnesota, is going to have Rodgers on the ground, is going to end his season whenever they play him early in the year. But uh, I'll be with you on this one, Matt. I'm in. I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers. Let's go. One, one more season to – and I hope they have a deep run in the playoffs, by the way. I, 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 as much as I'm a Bears fan, um, there's, there's a appreciation for greatness that I have had for Favre and now have for, for Rodgers up in the green and gold. Uh, Leonard Fournette's out there, by the way. Uh, whoever decides to pick him up, is that a good move for a contender, in or out? I guess in, but kind of like halfway in, in the sense that I don't think it's some huge over the top making move. I, I think it's, I think it's fine. Look, who's the last great back to win a title? I would argue it's probably Marshawn Lynch, Super Bowl 48. He's the last guy. I mean, Ray Rice before that. I mean, take the off the field stuff away. He's a very good player. Um, Fournette's main value is that he's a hard runner. You know, he's a guy who who can get north and south fairly quickly. He's not an east-west guy by any stretch of the imagination. So he's good in the red zone, right? Like he he can help a team there. And I looked up red zone efficiency last year. Your Bears are 24th. The Steelers were dead last. Now the Steelers are going to get a lot better just by having Roethlisberger back, but they were dead last. New England was 26th. Arizona 29th. Those are some teams I think it makes sense with. New England, especially, look, Bill's not afraid to take on guys who have had some some clashes. With, with front office or coaches. So I actually like New England there for Fournette. Um, th they need somebody who can help them. That offense is not of a lot of weapons. You know, you know, let's be real. You're getting a guy who wore it as welcome in Jacksonville. 
and who does have an injury history. I feel like that's a common theme today in the show, but he does. But you're getting a piece who's coming in for one year who can help you out if you're if you're deficient at running back. So yeah, I think it I think it's not a bad move if you're a contending team. There's not a whole lot of downside to it. I mean, I get the New England angle because they've taken on guys like this forever, but he was such a pain in the ass in Jacksonville. And the talent, even though he had a good year last year, I mean, he had over 1,100 yards on the ground, 500 yards catching the football is not terrible, you know, 1,600, over 1,600 total. I'm out on Leonard Fournette, man. I, I just, it's, uh, I think if you're looking at him, quote unquote, as, as a contender, like a guy that's going to put you over the top, I don't see it. No, yeah. he's not. And that. like, even as a guy that's contributing, I just think he's going to be more. I don't. I don't think he'll accept that role. So it just. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be playing for someone because he should. And by the way, the Bears make a whole lot of sense for Leonard Fournette. Doesn't seem like they're interested because they just signed a running back today. But uh, I, I just don't think it's going to. The question is: Is it a good move? I'm out on it being an actual good move. Oh, that's fair enough. I'll say one thing for him. And I mentioned that he has an injury history. Last year, he missed one game. The year prior, he missed eight. He caught 76 passes last year. Like, there seems to be this idea that he's just this, like, stone-footed running back who, who has no hands. The man caught 76 balls last year. So, like, I don't hate him as a player who can come in and give you something out of the backfield. Now, that said, he had three touchdowns all last year. He rushed for over 1,100 yards. His career average four yards of carries, nothing special. That's why I don't think he's an over-the-moon piece. But if you're a team that needs a guy, and I'll tell you this, by the way. I'll break this right here on the podcast. I, I said yesterday on Twitter and broke that the Chiefs were not going to put in a waiver claim uh, per source, and, and they weren't. The $4 million is too high. If nobody claims him, my understanding is that the Chiefs do have interest in Leonard Fournette as a free agent, just not at that $4 million Interesting. price tag. Rich get richer. If now that would be a situation, by the way, where maybe he does come in and gets along because there's so much talent around him, you would think. But I'd still would be leery if I was Kansas City bringing him in. I, I think if you're the Chiefs, it's one of these things that the situation would have to be right. You know, my understanding is that they do have interest if he's not claimed because they're not going to claim him off waivers. So if he gets through waivers, he hits the market. I understand uh, per source that they do have interest. The question, though, becomes, A, how much interest is there around the league with Fournette? Because I don't think the Chiefs are looking to get into a bidding war by any stretch. And then, B, is it a good fit for Fournette? Because he's not going to go there and be the starter. He would be a, a rotational piece behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Edwards-Alaire is going to be the starting running back on that team. So would he go there? Does he see the value in that? You know, he's trying to get a big contract. He probably would prefer to go somewhere where he has a real shot to start and get 250 touches. So I, I think it would have to break right for Kansas City. But all I'm saying is I'm just reporting that my I understand my source says that they would have interest, that if he gets out of the waiver claim period, that they would at least be kicking the tire. And it'd be situation. smart, by the way, that situation could be perfect for Leonard Fournette. Uh, let's, let's do our last two here. Cleveland makes the playoffs for the first time since 2002. I already have him on a team that's going to be much better than last year on my optimistic side. In or out on making the playoffs, Matt? So I thought about this for a little while, and I, I will say out barely. Uh, I would not be shocked if they do it. I, I put Denver in a touch above Cleveland. 
And here's my reasoning. So on the flip side, on the positive side, the expanded playoff system helps. Now you get seven teams in the playoffs. Okay. So that does help. The problem is the AFC North, in my opinion, is very difficult. I think Pittsburgh's going to win that division. I think they're the best team. And I think Baltimore is obviously very good. I don't think, I don't think Baltimore is going to be some weak sister all of a sudden. Baltimore, I, I think, is going to win double-digit games. Okay. So Cleveland, to me, is going to have to get in despite being the third-best team in the division. Having a new head coach this year, it's not that I don't like Kevin Stefanski, but I have major concerns about anyone who's a first-year head coach this season with everything that's gone on. This is not the year you want to be a first-time head coach. There is way too much going on, in my opinion. And then here's, here's my other problem, and this is less analytical and more just my, my, I guess, two cents on it. They don't have anybody on that team that's won a damn thing. And it was my worry about them last year. They don't have anyone with positive experiences in the playoffs. Landry's never won anything. Mayfield's never won anything. Kareem Hunt's never won. Nick Chubb's never won. Austin Hooper got to the Super Bowl. He's about the most accomplished guy on that team. And Joker's never done anything. He's never even seen the playoffs. Beckham got to the playoffs once and had to pay for repairs to Lambeau Field's locker room after he was done with it after the game. And he was on a boat in Miami four days prior to the game. I, I just look at them, and they have talent, but they've never done anything. So I... I think they're I think they're like an eight and eighteen. Better offensive line, easier schedule, and one more playoff team. Cute story, twenty twenty. That all adds up to them. they're the last team that somehow, some way, sneaks in. I, I'm not as high on on Pittsburgh as you are, so that that gives me a, a drop more uh, reason for optimism. Even yeah, I I agree. Baltimore obviously is not going anywhere, but I don't think they're going fourteen and two again. Uh, so no. Uh, I'll, I'll make you my last playoff team, Cleveland. So I, I am in. Uh, Patrick Mahomes throws for 5,000 yards in or out. And last year was uh, 4,000. The year prior, he did throw for the 5,000. You in or out this year, Matt? I'm actually in on this. And I'll, I'll explain why. So history says I'm a dope that I shouldn't be in on it, right? Because only 12 times has this ever happened. Where guys throw for 5,000 yards. Obviously, Mahomes has done it once. I mentioned earlier in the show, Brees has done it five times. Um. However, of those 12 times, 11 of them have come since 2006. So you're essentially almost on like a guy does it every year now. It's not as rare as it used to be. You know, Marino did it in 84. It was just unbelievable. Like nobody could even imagine it. Somebody throws 5,000 years. You remember, Carm, you were what, I was. 35? Thank you. Um, so, yeah. No, I mean, when Marino did it, it was insane. Now – now, we've had years where multiple guys have thrown for 5,000 yards. In fact, the year Mahomes did it, he didn't even lead the league in passing. It was Roethlisberger. So it's not as crazy. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and then I'll leave it at that. You will get the chief of weapons out of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Sammy Watkins, and McCole Hardman. Pick one. Whoever it is, he's the fifth best guy. Whoever the worst guy is out of that group. Whoever you think the worst guy is out of that group, he's the fifth best option on the team. That's insane. There's teams that those guys would be the number one option. Like Hill and Kelsey are one and two, no doubt. And then Hardman, Watkins, Edwards, Alaire. One of them's fit. Demarcus Robinson, who on some teams would be a three or maybe even a two, is the sixth guy who can't even get on the field. I mean, it, to me, as long as Mahomes is healthy, because he missed essentially three games last year and he wasn't really healthy until about the last four games of the year, and he still threw for over 4,000 yards. Like, if, if he's healthy, 
I think I think he's thrown for five thousand yards without even really sweating to do it. So the most yards in any NFL season from scrimmage throwing the football, Peyton Manning, twenty thirteen, five thousand four hundred and seventy seven. Yes, I'm in, man. I think he's breaking that record. Let's go, fifty five hundred, baby. I mean, why not? It's a big move. It's a big 5,500. Let's go, lot. buddy. I'm, I'm in on you, Patrick Mahomes. I'm a buyer. 5,000, no problem. You, you're you're going to sit up I, top the record book. You're going right to Peyton. I could definitely see a scenario where they're like eight games into the year and he's thrown for like 3,000 yards. Because they just, look, the other part of this is read. He's just going to throw the ball. He doesn't care. Like the, the Chiefs don't care about balance. I I forget there was a stat last year in the in the divisional round. Now they were down twenty four nothing. To be fair, so they were coming back, but they had, like they had scored twenty eight points by halftime and had run the ball once. I think like the entire game. Like they didn't they didn't even bother with it. They're like, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. We're just going five wide, beat us, and nobody can do it. So. Yeah, I think he's going to throw for 5,000 yards. I don't want to say easy, but I, I think it's going to be fairly easy. I think he's going to do it, again, without much I mean, sweat. The, one of the big problems is that uh, the Chiefs might not need him to throw the ball a whole lot if they're winning a lot of games. Uh, that that, that could true. be a factor. And let's wrap on up here with what's going on in your life right now. And uh, you're going to be the proud pop of a three-year-old, huh, Matt Verderam? Maisie Adelina Verderam turning uh, – turning three on September 27th. So we got a few weeks, but when I was turning the calendar, it dawned on me because obviously I saw it. She, by the way, is a day after my wife, um, who I will not give the age of, um, but I'd like to live. But I think ultimately it, it really, it, it really jarred me to be quite honest. You know, we started thinking about, okay, in a couple of weeks, we'll have a few family members over, uh, you know, kind of a toned down birthday party considering anything going on. And I'm going to go back to New York at the beginning of October for a few weeks. And um, we'll you know, see my, my family have a little thing. It's like, my God, she's going to be three. Like, it's crazy to me. She's going to be three years old. I remember just taking her home. And, like, it was yesterday. And I still lived in a, in, in a condo in Chicago. And now she barely needs me. She gets up. She Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. She, she can feed herself. She runs around. She's, she's you know, potty trained. She, she doesn't need – she basically needs me to just make sure that, like, I'm working so she has, the, you know, the, the requisite food in the house. And other than that, as long as Steph and I are working, she's good to go. Um, so, yeah, man, it's it's – Wild Sounds more mature than me. I am thinking back to uh, when I first met you, and about three months after that, you were proposing on the first ever fan-sided offices floor on a weekend, um, and now you have a kid that's three years old. That speaks to the length of uh, working with you, Matt Verderam. It's been a minute, buddy. Yeah, we've let's see. We've worked together now for uh, five, five and, and a half, half years, years, man. That's not nothing. That's uh, 
That's not nothing. That's not. Nothing. By the way, Leonard Fournette did clear. Yeah, that's waivers. not a surprise. No, it is not. It would have been surprising yeah. if he was claimed. So he is a free yeah. agent. Um, just trying to think if there's anything super exciting. I was about to say, what's going on in your Charm's life? life. I I got nothing, man. I I know that uh, I might try to get a couple of days uh, in the woods before the start of this NFL season. That's that's. Uh, Maybe maybe even next week. I, I feel like I need a little decompress from the whole – I mean, like a real decompress. Like maybe I'll just sit under a tree for a couple of days. But um, that in my tennis game is just superior right now, Matt. I mean, I really – it's just – it's so incredibly impressive. I, I feel like and, – and you know what? You know what's going on too? Right now at this time for the last three years, I would be in New York. I would be at the U.S. Open. I'd be having a Honey Deuce or a Heineken or certainly a bagel in the morning and a coffee before, hang, before heading out there on the 7 train. And I'm feeling a little, feel a little, feel a little flaclamped about it right now. It's one of my favorite things to do all year long, my three days in New York. It's not happening. Last year, we rented some Airbnb yeah. right next to Penn Station. It, it looked like an absolute death trap, but we survived. Uh, me and my brothers went last year. So I, I'm missing my New York City trip, bro. Yeah, I feel for it. I know you love that. I know you love going to Flushing. Every time I, I fly out of LaGuardia and I pass that place, I always think of you because I'm like, oh, you know, Carm's just this place. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I was I was planning on uh, going out and, and being at the season opener with the Chiefs and the Texans. That's, that's not going to happen. I, I mean, it, it, there's some tickets available, but they're, they're just astronomical, and there's no media allowed to cover the game, really, in any real way. So I don't think Fansided's footing that bill. So I would have had to just go just on my own just to go and enjoy the game. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen for the prices that those tickets are going for. I'll be watching from my recliner in my office, and I'll be very Nine days away, it. baby. It's almost here. Can't wait to start having some uh, actual in-season conversation. Good to be with you today, Matt. Thank you again to everyone listening. Thanks to Jerome Bettis as well. Uh, and, yes, liking, subscribing, downloading, and giving a rating, commenting. We very, very much appreciate it thank you for listening to stack in the box we will talk to you next tuesday it'll be two days before the season starts this podcast is brought to you by fansided join our community of over 300 sites sports pop culture and everything in between Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.